Welcome to the Medal of Honor podcast. This is Tiffany Marchink, your host. The Medal of Honor podcast is comprised of veteran stories of personal strength, courage, and perseverance. When looked up in Webster's Dictionary, the definition we find for medal with two T's is vigor and strength of spirit or temperament. Another definition in there says staying quality or stamina. It also says it's a quality of temperament or disposition. These are veterans who embody that. This is the podcast for veterans, and these are their stories. People in the military have the same issues and problems that people outside of the military have. But having that issue in the military brings a whole different dynamic to that particular issue or story. So I had actually been complaining on on my ship, on my command for almost two years, right right around two years. Um, I was having uh, random pains in my leg. Um, I was losing range of motion in my knee. Um, general, just just sore muscles, not not having the the strength that I once had. Um, and I was ignored the entire time um, to the point where I was almost brought up in charges for malingering because I would go to medical, medical would look at me and, and, and say, say uh, that, uh, um, uh, that there was nothing wrong with me. Um, at most, they would give me a bunch of Motrin, give me some ice, uh, tell me to elevate it, do the, do the basic thing. Um, and like I said, that went on for about two years. Um, and then from there, um, I had taken the initiative to try to go to um, medical on base, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to get special permission to do. Um, but I was able to, to talk my way into it, you know, when I got to, to that medical. Um, and I was waiting for an MRI to be done, um, which unfortunately never got done. Um, I, during this time, my, my, my contract was running out and I decided that I wanted to re-enlist. Um, I, I enjoyed my time in the military for the most part. Um, I, the duty station that I was chosen for was, was Japan. I'd always wanted to go to Japan. I went into medical on my ship and, and with my packet um, and they just, you know, scribbled their name on it and handed it back to me. And I, I even brought up my leg and I said, hey, you know, what about, you know, what about what's going on on, on my leg? You know, I, I even brought up the base. I said, hey, look, I'm, I'm on a waiting list to get an MRI on base. I've been talking to you guys about this for, for a long time. What's the deal? And they're like, well, you know, we never found anything. So you're good to go. And what you're doing on base is what you're doing on base. Um, you know, if, if you want to wait for them, you can wait for them. But, you know, if your orders come up, you know, for you to leave, then, you know, you got to leave. Um, so that was pretty much it on my ship. I went to my C school, which again was was for F-18s. It was uh, in Northern California, um, uh, uh, at a base called uh, Lemoore. And the the base up there was um, basically pretty well split between Marines and Navy. Um, then, even though it's a Navy base, they decided to let the Marines run all the PT. So during one of these runs, I couldn't keep up. Um, and the, the follow truck in the back, you know, pulled me aside and was like, what's going on with you? Why are you having an issue? Uh, Marines like to run a lot. So and I said, I, I have this issue with my leg. You know, I, I, 
it, it hurts to run, you know, like, you, and um, the Marines have a very beautiful, simplistic mentality of everybody runs. If you can't run, you must be dying and dying people go to the hospital. So they, they looked at me and said, okay, well, we're going to, you know, hop on the truck. We're going to take you over to the hospital um, and you're going to get checked out. I went over to the hospital. Uh, everything started the same that was going on the ship. Um, the doctor that saw me um, was like, oh, I don't think there's anything wrong with you. You know, you don't have any bruising, you don't have any swelling, there's no deformities. Um, but then she started looking through my record and she kind of looked back and she's like, you've been talking about this and complaining about this same exact issue. And she's like, you know, I, I really don't think there's anything wrong with you. You know, we have the equipment here. It doesn't cost us anything to do to do some scans. Let's let me put you through the x-ray machine and, and see what's up. Uh, so they did uh, two x-rays, you know, from, from two different angles on my leg. And she's like, all right, I'll talk to you, you know, tomorrow or whenever, and, and we'll follow up on this. Um, you know, you're, you're good to go. And until we figure this out, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, write you a chit to, to not have to PT. Um, so that was fine. I was covered on that basis. And the next day, um, the, she called me, the doctor called me and she's like, you need to come directly to the hospital. We need to, we need to talk. Needless to say, that scared the hell out of me. And she already had everything set up on, on the light board with the x-rays. And she's like, this is why you're having a problem. Um, and there was a pretty sizable tumor um, behind my knee on the, on the base of my femur, probably around three inches long, um, maybe an inch and a half, two inches, you know, uh, around kind of like an egg shape. So she's like, that's that's why you're losing range of motion in your knee because there's physically something there blocking you to, you know, to, you to bend your knee. So at that time, I didn't know what it was. Um, at that time, they just knew it was a tumor. And she's like, we don't have that kind of facility here. Um, you have to go down to to Balboa Naval Hospital in San Diego, and and that's where you'll deal with an oncologist, um, and they'll they'll figure out what the next steps are. I was given TAD orders to go down to Balboa Hospital for the weekend. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what you mean. He's like, before you even drove down here, I did all the paperwork. You're now on med cold. You now belong to Balboa Hospital, you know, for me. I, I you know, I, I run everything for, for you now. You report directly to me now. Um, and you go into surgery for a biopsy Monday morning. Um, so needless to say, you know, I didn't, I didn't really take that too well. I mean, I, I did, but it just kind of, everything kind of really internalized. Um, you know, I, I just kind of was like, okay, um, I, I guess this is what's happening now. Um, I, I mean, everything I owned was still up, you know, seven hours north in Lamore. Um, you know, I, I had no idea what was going on with, you know, uh, every, anything, um, you know, I, I, I was done with school. Um, you know, I, I had that, that certification under my belt and everything, but you know, it, it just, everything changed at that point. That Friday morning, I, I met with the orthopedic oncologist and, and his, uh, his team. 
Um, I, I'm thinking it's it's just a consult. I'm thinking you know they're they're gonna they're gonna set a plan to figure things out. And he barely said five words to me. You know when I when I first got there. You know he introduced himself and um, you know and asked me how I was doing. And he just he looked at me. He goes, "All right, you're scheduled for surgery Monday morning." And I was just like, "What are you What are you talking about? I'm I, I'm on TAD orders. You know I have to be back Sunday night. This is supposed to be consult." And he's like, "What like what does that mean?" And like he's kind of being <laughs> playful with it, yeah. but um. You know, when they when they brought me in for the biopsy results, I already knew what was going on, um, just from from the context of everything. You know, you don't you don't go into an oncologist's office and see ten doctors standing there with you know somber looks on their face and know things are going to go well. So, so even that process, I really internalized. You know, he's, he's you know, uh, you have you have cancer. This is the type of cancer you have. You know, and, and my response was was pretty much okay. What do we do next? So from there, they they basically offered me five options. We ended up doing, which was go in um, and cut the back half of my femur off. That way, he would ensure that you know not only did he get all of the tumor, that if if it had um, invaded into my bone at all, you know, that, that, you know, they were taking above and beyond what, what, where the cancer, they believed the cancer to be. Um, and then they would take a cadaver bone, um, and put it all together and screw everything together, uh, and, and go from there. And it would be a lot of rehab and healing. So that's, that's the option we went to. The, he, he was, um, I'm sure he's, he's long retired now because he was, an older guy back then um he was the top orthopedic oncologist in the military the type of cancer i had was was chondrosarcoma so it's a form of bone cancer but it's and it's a rare form of bone cancer but it's it's not as bad as osteosarcoma which is, is full-blown bone cancer chondrosarcoma is more with uh with cartilage that it that it deals with but if you if you were to look up uh, osteosarcoma as, as it is as as a cancer, osteosarcoma is, is the one that you hear where like people are losing their entire leg. They have to have it amputated, or or they're having their entire pelvic region replaced, or half their hip is being replaced. It's kind of weird to say I got a good cancer, um, you know. But but as it stands in in with the forms of bone cancer that exist, I got lucky with that. I, I looked it up, it said that it was kind of rare too, like that there's, uh, I think it said it was like less than 200,000 a year in the U.S. hit that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure the, the specific, I know when I looked it up back then and, and based on what he was telling me that it was a, it was a, a pretty rare form to, to come out of, out of anybody. You have all this happening, you're getting med boarded. Yeah, that was already in, in process. If, if I remember right, I think they gave me an option they said that if I didn't want to get med boarded, that I would have had to change my job because, I, I, you know, the, the job involves heavy lifting. Even even a minor delay, they'll give up your orders to somebody else, you know, because they need to fill that spot, you know, and, and there's always somebody they can fill that spot with. Um, so I, you know, I, I was freaking out. I was having panic attacks um, and not doing well and um, ended up having to self-medicate. Um, my, my roommate at the time, um, you know, ended up giving me, uh, marijuana, which, uh, was legal for medical purposes in, in California at the time. Um, 
um, and it helped. You know, it wasn't something. You know, I I had never done that before. Um, uh, before I went to the military, obviously I couldn't do it while I was in the military. Um, you know, even though a, a lot of people you know experiment when they're younger, it just it just never happened for me. Um, you know, and it's not something I ever looked for. Um, but that was maybe once or twice that I smoked. And this was that weekend prior to my surgery going into Monday morning, um, just to kind of go through it. And I had, before I had smoked, I had tried to go to, to mental health um, to, to talk to somebody. Um, I actually, before I even went back to my apartment, um, I had gone directly to mental health from my doctor's office, from that meeting, you know, and, and went in and said, I, I need to talk to somebody. I just got some, some really devastating information that I don't know how to process. I was desperate um, and they just um, turned me away. You know, when I, when I was talking to them, um, you know, they, they said, we're, we're really backed up right now. We don't, we don't have uh, any availability. We don't have um, any doctors that can see you right now. Um, you know, even appointment wise, it's gonna be, you know, three months for you to see, uh, um, you know, a doctor or a counselor or a social worker or anything. Um, there, there was nothing available, and this was way before, um, uh, you know, they, the, the authorizations to, uh, for the military or the VA to pay for you to see a, a civilian doctor. Um, so that wasn't even, you know, even considered at the time. Um, and they had told me, um, which, which still to this day blows my mind, is the only way that I was going to be able to see anybody immediately is if I attempted suicide. Um, and I was brought in through the emergency room and then I would be able to see an emergency caretaker. And, you know, I mean, when you're already dealing with, with this mind, earth shattering, world shattering news of, of, hey, not only is your career over, but you have cancer and the possible outcome, if your surgeries don't go well, is you losing your leg and never being able to walk right like it was just it was it was just one thing after another and after another and it was how do you how do you process that how do you how do you deal with the people you're supposed to be going to for help telling you that you to get help you have to hurt yourself um you know i had my son my surgery that that following monday there were no complications with the with the, the biopsy surgery um uh and then that Tuesday or Wednesday, um, when I was dealing with uh, the medical hold unit, you know, they're like, okay, as, you, as part of your intake process, you have to do a urine, urine screening. What does it mean to be a veteran? To me, to be a veteran is to be part of something much bigger than myself. And when I enlisted in 1997, I saw it as an opportunity to improve myself, to get some direction, to travel the world, and have some great adventures. And that's what it's been. And also being a veteran is the willingness to sacrifice some of the more common comforts in order to be part of that mission. Being a veteran is also meant being willing to sacrifice it all for the greater good.
Hi, this is Dr. Daniel Roberts wishing every veteran out there a happy Veterans Day. I appreciate all your sacrifice and all that you do uh, for this country. As a veteran myself who served in the Army for 30 years, I know how much of a sacrifice it is for you and your family. And uh, how much America relies on you to guard the gates, so to speak. So I love and respect all of you and uh, hope you are safe and doing well. You and your entire family. Be blessed. Probably a week or so later, you know, they called me into the office. Um, and they walked me down to the NCIS office, which I thought was a little weird. She puts this piece of paper in front of me and she's like, this is your, your analysis results. And, um, and it's got like all the long technical terms for, for uh, uh, THC, um, which is, you know, got 30 letters. And, and uh, she's like, do you know what that is? And I was like, not really, because you didn't tell me like, you know, you, you had a uh, uh, THC in your blood, which is the active ingredient in marijuana. And I was like, oh, I know. And she like, she, if she, she looked almost upset that I said yes. Um, <laughs> I think she wanted to like have to interrogate me. And I was like, yeah, I smoked weed. Can you tell me what happened? You know, what was going on? And I, I told her the whole story. You know, I, I told her, you know, the, the backstory of, you know, like, no, this wasn't just me getting high. This wasn't, this wasn't fun, you know, to, to do that. Um, it wasn't recreational. You weren't just trying to have a good time. Yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't recreational. And she, um, um, you know, she, she, you know, you could, you could tell she felt bad. And I ended up going to, uh, what we call, uh, so for us, it's, it's, um, uh, it's called captain's mast. It's non-judicial punishment. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what they call it in other branches. Um, but so for us, it's three stages. It's, it's DRB, which is a delinquency review board, and then XOI, which is in front of the ex executive officer, and uh, then captain's mast, which is in front of the commanding officer. Under normal conditions for, for, for light crimes, you can go to any level of the board and receive a punishment or have it thrown out and then at the low you know they can decide hey this needs to go up the chain farther you know for for a more severe punishment um or be thrown out you know however it goes for something like like a, a drug offense it has to go all the way up there, there's no choice in that in that matter so i went in front of drb um oddly enough there were uh at least one person on my drb board that was on my previous ship that knew me um, that was looking at my father going like, what happened? You know, I, I shared my story with them as well. They all felt really bad and, and, and said, you know, you know, this has to go up the chain of command. And again, I told them, I said, I don't really care. You know, if there's a way to delay this process to, you know, to, uh, uh, to ensure my surgery happens on time, um, then, then that's all I care about, you know? And, and again, I'll deal with that, you know, later. Um, I believe when I went to DRB, I was still on crutches. Um, I don't remember for XOI. I don't remember if I was on crutches or not for XOI, but again, I went for the executive officer. Um, you know, the same thing, sympathy in, on my case, you know, but there's nothing we can do. You know, this, this has to, has to go up to, uh, to captain's mast or, or at, you know, at that base, it was admiral's mast because, because our, our, uh, commanding officer was an admiral. Um, 
but by the time I got to to Mast, um, I had my surgery. Um, so I, I was done. I was actually in a wheelchair uh, when I went into into to see the admiral. Um, and then on top of that, I actually had my roommate. Um, she actually wrote a statement for me. Um, and that statement was in my file for for DRB and, and for XOI. Um, but they actually asked her to come in for my my um, uh, my mast in, in front of the admiral. And, you know, she she openly admitted everything, you know, and, and not 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 in an admitted sense, but, you know, you know, made it clear that, that, you know, this was, this was self-medication that, you know, and, and he felt really bad because everything's documented. Everything's in my, my personnel file. Everything's in my medical file, you know, and, and he's looking at it, seeing me in a wheelchair, you know, with, with my leg propped up and my leg bandaged, bandaged up. And he just looked at me and he said, we failed you. He said, I'm so, so sorry that this happened to you. Um, and I'll ne I, I really never forget that. It's just that those three words. We or you know, we have failed you. We failed you. You know, I, I, you know, it's it's, um, you know, it was a sobering experience. You know, because you're 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 there because you're in trouble. But at the same time, you know, you have, you know, somebody that that has so much authority. Go, you know, apologizing to you for what happened. Um, and then he he basically said, I, I wish we could have kept this in house. I wish we could have. Uh, um, you know, dealt with this differently um, because you wouldn't be sitting here now, right now. You wouldn't be facing, you know, a, an other than honorable discharge um, out of the military because this was this this was preventable. This was, you know, this is something, you know, that, that could have been uh, avoided, um, you know, in, in multiple ways. And because my because it was also, you know, in my in my file um, stuff that my my surgeon had said where this 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 tumor didn't just grow overnight this tumor had been had been growing for a long long time um and pre previous to to me even you know this this happening where i was in front of the admiral um my my um my surgeon had actually filed paperwork disciplinary paperwork against medical people on my ship because like i said earlier I, they had to fill out an overseas screening packet for me, you know. So, I, again, this is this is all documented. So it's documented failures as well. So, you know, my my surgeon was was not happy with the process. So he, you know, he he went and did that paperwork, you know, uh, um, at a minimum for for something to happen, you know, for some form of uh, a follow up to happen to the you know, that, that it doesn't happen to somebody else, you know, where they're going to medical for something and they're just getting outright ignored, um, you know, for that length of time. I, I don't know what happened from that point. I just know what, you know, what he said he did. Um, I don't know if, if anybody ended up being brought up on charges or, or, um, or anything like that from my previous command. Um, but so when I went to, to Admiral's Mass, you know, the, the big issue is, is the fact that Balboa Hospital is the location that all the, the urinalysis samples are sent to for testing. So because of that fact, it, it automatically goes into bupers. It's automatically registered in the national database and there's nothing they could do about it. Once once a sample is, is logged and, and tested, the results are the results are there. So there, there really was no way to keep it in-house. There really was no way to, to um, you know, I, I hate to say sweep it under the rug, but you know, to, to make it, you know, not, you know, go higher than, than, um, you know, the, than the Admiral of the base. Um, so he, he did the paperwork, you know, right then and there, 
you know, I, I have to, you know, recommend you for, uh, um, you know, for the other than honorable discharge, because that's that's the military policy. That's the Navy policy when when somebody um, um, fails a year analysis. But he, he said, you know what, I, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm using, you know, my authority and I want you to go to this review board, which is um, uh, also oddly enough called DRB, but I, I believe it's discharge review board. Um, and for that, you end up getting a JAG lawyer um, and you're going in front of this this panel and um, they're deciding three things, whether or not you did something wrong or not, whether you should be discharged or not, um, and then what type of discharge you should receive for whatever that is. Um, so it's, it's really the only way, from my knowledge, to cancel out, um, you know, being forced discharged with the other than honorable. Um, so from there, I, I met with my JAG lawyer. Um, you know, he, he was on my side on, on everything. And, and it was just a waiting game from there. Um, you know, it was it was a couple weeks, probably maybe a month or more um, of just sitting around med holds. Um, they, they put me on restriction, uh, but it wasn't a full restriction. Uh, they, they let me wear my rank still. Um, they didn't give me extra duty because that would have been really dumb to have, you know, somebody in a wheelchair sweeping floors or something like that. Um, so basically I just, I was, I was base restricted and I had to meet like three times a day with everybody else, but that was it. You know, once I met with them, I, I just, you know, went back to my room or went to the lounge or something like that. Um, and Balboa hospital actually has their own movie theater. So it's not that awful. Um, during that process, uh, at one point, my juggler came to, to see me and he basically said um, that uh, the Navy doesn't want to deal with it. The Navy doesn't want to deal with me specifically, um, that they are offering me um, a get out of jail free card, basically. Uh, so I would walk away from the military. My contract would be severed. Um, there would be no bad discharge. I would walk away with the same discharge I would have gotten if I got a, a medical discharge. I, I, I ended up with a, um, a general discharge under honorable conditions. Um, the only indication of any um, uh, bad conduct or impropriety is on um, my DD-214 at the bottom. My um, re-enlistment code is, is not eligible. And then there's a code of, of discharge where if you look it up, it says drug abuse. Um, but it's, it's something that uh, hasn't affected me yet, you know, to, um, you know, going on 14 years, um, hasn't affected me. I still get to use my GI benefits. I still get to use my VA benefits. Um, uh, everything, you know, it, it's frustrating to have that there. And, and in hindsight, I probably should have fought it. Um, but, but the risk is great. You know, I, if I had gone to, to the DRB board, there was the risk of getting that other than honorable discharge. Um, but at the same time, there was the risk of being able to stay in. There was, you know, it was it was a possibility um, of, uh, um, you know, either continuing a full med board uh, or or re-rating to something else um, and, and staying in. But at the time, you know, I, I still wasn't, um, I, I guess you could say I wasn't in the right state of mind. I was still I was still recovering heavily. Um, I was still trying to figure things out and, and I kind of wanted it done and over with. Um, you know, so I, so I took their deal. I took, you know, I took that option, which, you know. Um, so there was no, my, my roommate was the only one in San Diego that I could, 
I could talk to for anything, mm -hmm. you know, and, and even that is, um, uh, you know, we had a very good relationship, which is why, why she was, you know, she allowed me to move back in and, and, and help me out with, you know, when, when I was having the panic attacks and everything like that, but it was still, um, it was bigger than her, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was much bigger than her. Um, you know, and, and, and again, you, you rely on the military, you know, you, you rely on, you know, on, uh, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's deeply ingrained in you to, to follow chain of command, to do everything, you know, a, a very specific way. Um, and, and like I said, I had already, I had already realized that I was losing all of that. So it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily me just, uh, you know, cutting, cutting that off. It was, it was me realizing that it was the rope was burning through already so um yeah i, I didn't you know I, I looked at it as i i don't have any other choice i don't have anybody else to turn to um you know and i really didn't know how to deal with it yeah so here's a here's a question for you that's um you you get so so you're you're discharged from the navy um you're still, I would imagine you're still recovering uh, physically from the surgeries that you've had. And mentally, what are you doing now? Did you go, I mean, did you end up going to the VA saying, hey, look, here's my deal. Here's what happened. Uh, and I need to talk to a mental health professional. So, like, what, while, yeah. So while I was uh, after that whole process or, or right during that process of, of while I was still active, um, I was seeing uh, uh, mental health. Okay. You know, they, they, because, because even though I was turned around the way that day, I made sure my name was on the list. Yeah. Um, and then I, I can only assume that the Admiral of the base, you know, made sure that my name got moved up on the list. Um, mm -hmm. Cause I remember seeing them, you know, not, not too far after that whole process had started. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it, it's an assumption on my part that, that he, he said something. Um, but I, I was talking to people. I was, I was talking to, um, uh, one of the chaplains, uh, at the base, uh, you know, for getting some advice. Um, and, and oddly enough, uh, along with somebody that was on my DRB board, one of the chaplains was previously on my ship too. So I already, I already knew her as well. And we had a relationship and, and she, you know, she became somebody that was, um, uh, um, not a confident, but, you know, just a, a, a voice of reason, a voice of perspective. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's nice to, to be acknowledged, you know, during the process of, of, you know, of dealing with that, but it doesn't, it doesn't really change what's, what's yeah. happening, you know, but he didn't fuck up, you know, it wasn't the Admiral, it wasn't his fault that, mm -hmm. that, you know, this was happening. It wasn't, you know, the, the NCIS, you know, agent, it wasn't her fault. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the, the, um, you know, the guy in charge of med hold that told me I had to go take a piss test. It was, it wasn't any of those people's fault. Um, you know, I mean, I, I did, you know, the substance that was, that was on me. Um, but there were, you know, other things leading up to that. And, and, you know, it, even in the sense of, you know, the, the, the people in medical that ignored me, is that because they were being lazy or is that because their training didn't encompass that? Were they being too by the book? 
uh, were they busy? Were they, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, um, uh, that, that, that I think about, you know, from, from a human, you know, humanistic perspective of like, okay, where, you know, where did this fall apart? You know, where did this really become, you know, uh, um, an issue? You know, it, again, it doesn't change things. Right. Doesn't, you know, it doesn't change the fact that I had cancer. It doesn't change the fact that, that, um, you know, I, I, for the most part, had to relearn how to walk and go upstairs and, and um, you know, that I have screws in my legs still, that I have pain, that I have, you know, uh, all this, all this uh, fun stuff going on. What if, if, if there, if there is somebody who is listening to the podcast, who is currently still serving and whether it's so whether it's a um a a, a drug issue um a, or better yet whether it's any kind of substance issue you know whether it's just drinking too much um using illegal substances using over-the-counter stuff excessively whatever the case may be or somebody who's experienced experiencing mental health issues your own advocate Something that always ends up coming up is taking care of yourself. I think in the military are accustomed to your accomplishment of the mission, or it's all it's always about putting other people first, especially if you're a leader. You have to put your soldiers above you, your you know, fellow fellow sailors, airmen, marines. Uh, you have to put them before you, yourself. But I think what we are finally slowly catching on to is that same principle with the uh, oxygen mask on an airplane they always tell you before you take off if if there's an emergency that you're supposed to put your own oxygen mask on first then help the person sitting next to you and we're not accustomed to doing that in the military we're accustomed to putting the mask on somebody else first and then if you still have breath and strength to put it on your on yourself but we really do need to if i'm going to be if, if i'm going to be effective at my job and effective at being who i am and doing what i do i've got to have a level of self-care as a priority and it's not being selfish it's me taking care of myself to better myself so that i can then and you know in turn be better at giving and helping other people i i mean it's it's you know you, you mentioned the mission the mission can't happen if you're not functional right you know and and you would you know you would rather <clears throat> or, or not you but but it, it's better for you to deal with those issues when you're um when you're not deployed you know that, that's why that's why i mentioned like going to the base because you know you're obviously not deployed. You're not forward deployed if you're if you're still at bay on you know dealing with your base people, um, you know, and, and you're handling those issues. You know, it, it's better to deal with them then than to to be out in the field and to to fall out for one reason or another. You know, uh, um, uh, that's that's just my my viewpoint on that. Um, you know, that eventually it's going to it's going to come to a breaking point. It's going to, it's going to, you know, the, the water's eventually going to boil and, and, you know, overflow. Um, and, 
again, that's that's better to happen, you know, when you're when you have treatment available to you, than than you know to happen, you know, on the other side of the world, where where resources are limited. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't. I, you know, I can't even add anything to that, because it's true. It, we really. And, and I don't know. I don't know how we can. I say we. Neither one of us are in the military anymore. But I just don't know how we can. Uh, get get that message conveyed, in the military from the get go. You can go to your basic training, your boot camp, whatever each branch calls it, um, and and learn, train, become a warrior, become whatever your branch calls it. Um, but part of that training be in you know, part something that needs to be integrated with that training is how to um, take care of yourself and realize you're not being selfish so that you can accomplish like you said ac accomplish that mission um, I, I think i think it really needs to start with removing the stigmas involved with mental health care um you know when when you start talking mental health care in in the military you know people people get that worst case scenario in the in their head of okay if i'm if i'm diagnosed as depressed or having anxiety uh, or, or some of these conditions that um, I'm a danger to somebody else. Mm -hmm. and, the, and, and the statistics don't pan out. The majority of the people, you know, I mean, almost everybody in, in the country and on the planet has dealt with depression in some form or, or another throughout their lifetime. You know, everybody's dealt with anxiety, you know, maybe not full on panic attacks, but, you know, everybody feels these, these sensations. And it's, healthier to deal with them and learn how to deal with them than it is to to ignore them and to never deal with them and and that's that's more dangerous to never address these problems and then have them surface when you're in the field and you have explosives or a rifle or 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 anything or or a, you know a vehicle or you know and that i think that that whole process needs to be reversed that whole idea needs to be reversed of of, you know, no, you know, I mean, obviously if somebody's, you know, presenting with like severe schizophrenic tendencies or se severe uh, self-harm tendencies or, or, or uh, uh, homicidal tendencies, yes, obviously take them away from any, any sharp objects or any firearms, but the majority of the people just need somebody to talk to. The majority of the people just need that, that like that reassurance of, hey, this is normal. It's okay to get depressed for a little bit. It's okay to, to you know, to, to process what happened without that fear of, of you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your, you're going to get kicked out because you're crazy. You're going to, you're going to lose your, your ability to work with this equipment or that equipment because that doesn't happen in the, in, in civilian life. You know, and again, unless it's something severe, unless it's, you know, a, a violent episode that you're having, then and only then do, does do they step in and, and say, okay, you know, maybe you shouldn't have a firearm or maybe you need to be institutionalized or, you know, something of, of that nature. But I, I think that stigma needs to be, uh, um, you know, removed for active active duty, duty uh, uh, service members, you know, where 
it's it's promoted to talk to somebody it's promoted to to uh um you know to to get help before it becomes a problem it's okay to not be okay absolutely absolutely you know mm-hmm. and, and i i think that would go um very far in in how um service members are dealing with things like ptsd you know that you know we we have you know this this high suicide rate because these coping mechanisms and these and these ways to process thoughts uh, of trauma are never are never dealt with until you're done you know you get pulled aside and hey you know good job whatever and then and then you're left dealing with it on your own you know even before you discharge you're you're constantly having to deal with it on your own mm-hmm.